We are week three into this series. Uh, We started off looking at how discipleship and the kingdom are absolutely integral, and it's really what we're all about, and it's really God's activity on the earth is extending his kingdom through making disciples. And we're on that journey of really going deeper what it means to be a disciple, to be an apprentice of King Jesus, and how that should look in our lives, but then out into the world. And we're really going to look at this issue this week. Uh, Last week, Seb looked at the whole area of being with Jesus, that invitation to walk with Jesus. And I just want to recommend a book. Um, Has anybody ever read this book? No. Um, Anybody ever heard? My wife, good one. Sharon, yep. I don't know if you've ever heard of Greg Boyd. He is actually, um, I think, one of my favorite preachers. Um, But he is, uh, he really is um, someone that can divide. So I love it. But it's actually a critique on Brother Lawrence, um, Jean de Cassard, and someone else who who comes to me by the end of the sermon. And it's a critique on their books about being with Jesus. Um, And if that's something that you really want to go deeper in, and the answer is yes, you do want to go deeper in, I highly recommend this book to you. Somebody else who, if ever I'm speaking, unfortunately, just um, I got a little bit consumed by this guy. Uh, It's Dallas Willard, and he says this, the greatest issue facing the world today, just pause, the greatest issue facing the world today with all its heartbreaking needs is whether those who by profession or culture are identified as Christians will become disciples, students, apprentices, practitioners, we're going to come back to that word at the end, of Jesus the Messiah, steadily learning from him how to live the life of the, hum- of the kingdom of the heavens into every corner of human existence. It's a bold claim it's Thanks, Sam. It's a bold claim, the greatest issue. Essentially, will followers of Jesus be followers of Jesus that impact the world? And that's what we're going to be looking at a little bit today is in becoming like him, apprentices, practitioners, that there'll be a transformation in us. Is change possible? Can I just ask you a question? Has anybody been walking with Jesus for longer than 10 years? Yeah. Has anybody, apart from me, ever got to a point sometimes and thought, am I any different? Is there any change in me? It's just me. Okay. You know. Sometimes we get a bit stuck, don't we? Sometimes we, we get and we think, I need breakthrough. Is change possible? Can we really change? And we're going to just, obviously, this is, we could spend the next 20 years looking at this, but we're just going to, I'm just going to give you some sort of headlines. Is change possible? Of course, the answer is yes. Long-term character formation is possible, but it's like running a competitive marathon. It takes considerable planning and effort. Okay, it's not just something we wake up tomorrow and decide, great, I'm going to change today. 
There's so much more involved in that. And if you've ever run a marathon, you know the considerable effort that's involved. Now, let's just get something clear. God isn't opposed to effort. He's opposed to earning. You can't earn your salvation. You can't earn favor with God. But he does. We are called to cooperate with him and make every effort to become like the King of Kings. And actually, Paul writes this. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run? He's talking about life, the race of life. We all run. It's whether we're running in the right way. Are we running in the right direction? Are we running after the right things? But only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games. Okay, he's writing to Corinth. They knew all about the Olympics of their day. Everyone who competes goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last for eternity. Therefore, I don't run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it a slave. So after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Paul is really just making this crystal clear. If you're going after Jesus, it's all in. It's all in. So three promises for change. From the past, for the present, for all eternity. These are three promises in scripture about chains, transformation, conformity to him. First one, Romans 8, 29. For those God foreknew from all eternity, God foreknew, he also predestined, planned ahead to be conformed to the image of his son. Yeah, that language should immediately make you think what happened In all creation, we were created to be made in the image of God, male and female, created to be like him. But our rebellion broke that image. Now there's still something there, but it's a broken image. And here in Jesus, God planned that we would be reconformed into the image of Jesus, that he might be the first one among many brothers and sisters. I love the image. It's almost like the father's son, Jesus, is looking for brothers and sisters. He's looking around because he wants a big family. So that was from all eternity. This is in the present. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into the image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I just want to read a couple of verses before that. I felt the Lord, just as we were worshipping, just say this. And it's, it's talk, the context is, when Moses went up the mountain and met with God, he shone with the glory. But the glory faded, and also those that stayed down the mountain that didn't encounter Jesus, they couldn't cope. So, Moses put a, um, a veil on, and he put a veil on to hide the glory initially, but then the glory faded. And Paul is now saying, no, this glory lasts. This glory lasts. The veil of the old covenant is taken away so that now in this new covenant, we can enter into the presence of Jesus. And that's what we're about, isn't it? Encountering Jesus 
Our heart's prayer is for anybody walking, driving past here, your neighbor, my neighbor, whoever we work with, that they would encounter Jesus. And for that to happen, I think we need to encounter him again and again. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Spirit, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the spirit. Translation's really difficult here, but the transformation is the same as what happened to Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. But it happens when we gaze on the Lord, when we gaze on the Lord, on the beauty of the Lord, on the presence, when we choose and say, King Jesus, I know you're here. As we day by day open scripture and say, come Lord. It's that transformation happening always on the inside out. So from the past, Romans 8, in the present and then the promise of all the future. But we know that when Messiah appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. So this promise of change And the main thing that God gets out of your life is not the achievements you accomplish. It's the person you become. That could be good news or it could put your head in your hands. But there's hope for us all because of Jesus. Who we become is what God gets most out of our lives. So how do we change, transform to become like Jesus? Just really quickly, just going to give you three points. The only way you can change to become like Jesus is to cooperate with him. To do it his way with his power working in us. Yeah, what, what happened in the Great Commission at the end of Matthew 28? Teach them to obey. We have to do it his way. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's about when it comes to transformation. His heart's desire for each one of you is that you would know him and become like him because he's looking for brothers and sisters. That's on his side, right? Is that good news? That's on his side. That's what he's longing for in each one of us. No matter what challenge we're going through, no matter what difficulty we're in today, the hope of tomorrow is that we would be changed. And he knows what he's doing. Um, Years and years and years and years and years ago, I had um, a running coach. And um, I know that some of you know me are just bemused that I would ever have a running coach. Um, But this running coach was a guy by the name of Bob Wallace. Anybody ever heard of Bob Wallace? You won't have heard of Bob Wallace, but at the time, Bob was coaching um, world record holders, London Marathon winners, Boston Marathon winners, Chicago Marathon winners. He had international athletes that he was coaching. There were national champions. There were record holders all around, and then there was me. (laughs) And... um, and so, as you can imagine, when I used to meet with Bob, he used to give me sort of weekly, monthly, and then yearly sort of training patterns. And when I would get my weekly training pattern from Bob, um, I would read it and go, nah, I don't think I'm going to do this. 
I think I know better than you. You know, yeah, you may have people with world championship medals that you're coaching, but I know, I know how to do it. What do you think Bob would have said? Good luck. <laughs> bye bye. You know? Bob knew what he was doing, and he had a track record to prove it and a whole stable of athletes that were desperate for his time. He knew what he was about. So I took his advice to the letter. How much more so when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to the pattern of being conformed to the likeness of his son? I think Jesus knows what he's doing. And I know that there's still this little rebellion in all of us that wants to do it our way. But why don't we just come at the foot of the cross again and say, your will be done in us, through us, to us. So, how do we change to become like Jesus? Just simple. Three simple, quick ways. And like I say, we could spend a long time on all of this and so much more. Teaching, community, community fellowship, um, in deep relationship with one another, and our daily habits. And it works a little bit like this. They're all intertwined. You can't just separate out. Well, I just like teaching, but I don't want anything to do with that community. Um, yeah, I'm happy, you know, in my, in my monastery, just doing my own thing, but I'm not going to engage with others. No, they're all intertwined. It takes all three, teaching, community, fellowship, and our daily practices, the daily habits that we put in place as we walk in step with Jesus Teaching. The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Luke 6. It is interesting, actually, that the word student there is the word mathetes, it's disciple, Talmudin in Hebrew, of this person that comes under a rabbi. Now, of course, when Jesus was saying this, I'm convinced he would have used that language of Talmudin, disciple and rabbi. And like Seb was talking about last week, the invitation to come under a rabbi was this greatest privilege. Yeah? The, one of the prayers of a Hebrew father would be, Lord, make my son a rabbi. If they had a daughter, Lord, make my daughter marry a rabbi. <laughs> yeah? That was the highest calling, certainly in Galilee, where there was this rabbinical system, the synagogue set up of how we become like God would be to disciple under a rabbi. We have the greatest rabbi, Rabbi Jesus. And rabbis didn't write books. Rabbis influenced through their disciples. They influenced the world through their disciples, their teaching, their yoke, as it was called, that was passed on through the disciples. And it wasn't like you going to school or going to university where you just wanted to gather information. No, your goal was to be like your rabbi, was to copy everything they did. And there are ridiculous stories of, of disciples that would, that would follow their rabbi everywhere, into the bathroom. Yeah, there is a story written in the, in the Talmud of disciples that actually followed into the bedroom 
so they could learn how the rabbi made love to the wife. Yeah? Okay, they absolutely got beaten for that. However, the point was they so much wanted to be like their rabbi. That was the point, that you didn't just learn what the rabbi learned. You committed your whole life to becoming like your rabbi. It's exactly the same invitation we get from Jesus. That's discipleship. Not a Sunday appearance in a gathering. A moment by moment walking with Jesus. Which is why, of course, Matthew 28, he says, Therefore go make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and I'll be with you when you do this. In the process of disciples making disciples, he is with us. And each person in this room is called to be part of that discipling of others. And this, this promise that we're not going to be greater than our rabbi ever, but we can be like him. Teaching is absolutely crucial. And then this verse as well, be transformed by the renewing of a mind. Teaching is important and it's not just someone at the front teaching, but who are we learning from? What books are we gaining from? There's a lot of crud out there, isn't there? Which is why I think if you go and read Romans 12, it talks about as your mind is transformed, you'll be able to discern what's good and bad. Yeah, As we immerse ourselves in the word, we'll learn what the counterfeit is. And just because someone's on YouTube preaching doesn't mean they should be and doesn't mean what they're saying is God-honoring and transformational for you. Yeah. Like counterfeit money, we learn what counterfeit money is by counting the good. And by time with Jesus, we'll learn. So are we in a, putting ourselves in a humble position of saying, I'm going to learn from that? And that's what the body, we talked about the gifting over the summer, didn't we? All the gifts that are available to each one of us to grow. Teaching is absolutely critical. Same word there, transformed as well, of what we learned earlier about yeah, metamorpheo. Yeah, great word. Community, we are saved into a body. Yeah, and yet this culture, come on, more than ever, forces us to be individuals, doesn't it? Yeah, got to pray for our younger generation particularly. Yeah, but we need each other. We're made for each other. Solo was praying in the prayer group this morning before the service that we need the body, we're part of the body, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you, the, the spleen can't say to the kidney, I don't want you. You know, we're, we need each other. That's how we grow. That's how you grow, as you exercise gifts. We need each other. Let us consider how we may spur one another on. What does our culture say? Let's join a community that's best for me. What am I going to get out of this? I come to church on Sunday, what's, what's in it for me? Whereas the writer of Hebrews, she writes, um, consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let's not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. Yeah? Even today. But encouraging one another daily. Do we walk in the door thinking, who can I encourage today? Who can I spur one another on? In your small group, in your prayer cuddle. Yeah, guys, we're going to start a scrum yeah, we're not going to do cuddles and huddles. We're going to do scrums. Yeah, we're going to gather together, but we're going to do it to spur one another on, to encourage one another. 
We need each other to do that. And then finally, habits. Yeah, probably a better word than habits is practices. Ephesians 1, follow God's example. Yeah, the word there is mimitai. What, what word do you think we get from mimitai? Yeah, imitate, mimic. Yeah, mimic God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, that children again, brother, sister, with each other, with the Lord, mimic one another, follow one another. And I just love this. This was a little bit earlier in that passage that we had earlier, the promise of him coming back and we seeing him face to face. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Could that be written about us? Yeah. This is John hearing reports of a fellowship, probably in Ephesus again, that he was once leading. Are we walking daily in the practices? And then these words right at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, a great one, Jess, that just brings this revelation of what the kingdom is like on earth. Is, is Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Hill. Yeah, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And he ends it with this. Therefore, so all that's gone before, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. And I think we are guilty, probably more than in any other environment within the church, that we, we become great hearers, that each sermon just rolls into the other, just more words. Yeah? This is Jesus, and he says, not just hearing, but putting into practice, poieo, putting into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. What's he talking about? Yeah, in Luke it says that the person is, who hears and puts into practice is like a person who dug down deep, deep foundations. What Jesus is saying is, who is going to hit the white oscillating instrument at some point in your life? The storms will come. Um, some of you may already be in storms. But the storms will come. There will be storms. There will be tough times. If not for you, people you're journeying with. But at some point, the storm is coming. Have you, at that point... Have you been listening to the words of Jesus and putting them into practice? Because if you are, the storm is going to come. Will you be a person who can stand firm because you've been putting into practice what Jesus has been teaching you? The storm could be finances. Some of us will suffer. You know, the cancer will hit. I don't know what the statistics is, like one in three. How do you stand when the tough times come? How will you stand? And the problem I've seen in church over the decades of being involved in pastoral ministry is what I've seen over and over again is people go through the motions and then the storm hits and then they're a complete mess and then they expect others to pick it up. 
Now, we are here for you. We are a body that will support and encourage, of course. But what about taking these words seriously before the storm comes? What about today we choose to say yes to Jesus? To put into practice, to create daily practices that help us change to become more like him. And it's as simple as this, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man. And all the way through, certainly chapter 7 of the Sermon on the Mount, there's this sort of contrast and compare. The person that listens to my words puts them into practice, the person who doesn't. The wise person, the foolish person. Now, none of us here this morning are going to put our hand up and say, yep, I want to be foolish. We all say, no, of course I want to be wise. But the wisdom starts with tomorrow morning. What practices are we going to start to put in place? And I know, I know some of you absolutely love your bed. Yeah? Anybody here apart from my wife? Absolutely love your bed. Yeah? What if, what if a practice would be 15 minutes earlier to just get up and sit before the Lord? 2 Corinthians 3.18, yeah, is that we come with unveiled faces before the throne, before him, and sit at his feet. What if that became a daily practice? What if a daily practice was just starting the day You know, I started it many years ago that even before I wake up fully, before I open my eyes, I just pray Psalm 23. You know, it's been amazing over the last few years. I wake up and there's a song in my head as I wake up because I made a practice of just morning by morning, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He's all I want. He makes me lie down where there's plenty. Morning by morning streams that refresh my soul. Whatever it is for you, what's your moment by moment practice? And I recommend that book of daily by daily. Are we aware that the Lord is with us right now? Sat next to you in this place, in your sleeping The Lord is with you. But are we aware of that? Are we crying out for more of his manifest presence for us, for the benefit of others? We need teaching. You know, when we come, Holy Spirit, teach me today. We need each other and that takes an investment. We know it's not easy, but who are you accountable to? Who are you spending time with? Who are you opening scripture with? Who are you praying with? We need community and we need to put in daily practices. Because those practices will create a culture in our life. Yeah? And culture will always trump the next best idea. When Jesus stubs his toe, do you think he swears? Do you think he has to challenge himself? No, because he's worked on the inner him that he'll naturally give glory to the Father, even when he stubs his toe or bangs his thumb with a hammer, getting off track. So that's how we become like Jesus. That's a start 
and we're going to be working on this over the coming months, but this is where we need it. However, none of this happens unless we cooperate with him that morning by morning, Holy Spirit, fill me afresh because I leaked yesterday and I need more of you today. Help me put these habits in place. Help me open scripture. All of the things that we've talked about. Help me find a community. Help me find someone to be accountable to. Help me, help me find a mentor. Help me find a group that I can be a part of because I want to become more like you because it's his plan from all eternity that would be conformed to the likeness of Jesus. Let's stand together. If we're able, and if we're willing. And as I've said numerous times, I can pray for you to be filled with the Spirit. However, Luke 11 makes it very clear, you can pray for yourself to be filled with the Spirit. His very best for you. If you seek, you'll find. If you ask, you knock. And the best thing he has for you is his presence. And I know that our bodies are involved. So I just want to encourage you again. Put your body in the place of openness to him. Of saying, Lord, I want you. I need you. Come, Holy Spirit. So why don't you do that? And we're just going to wait. Come. I know you're here, Lord. But we need more of you to become like you. To reflect you to this world. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Just reminded that all through Scripture, that when when we're filled with Him, it's for the benefit of others. Go wait in Jerusalem. When my Spirit comes, you'll be filled with power. Then you'll be my witnesses. John 14, when the Spirit comes, he will teach and remind you of everything. Yeah, maybe that's for some of you that are just struggling with Scripture. You need the Spirit to teach and remind you of whatever he said. Then later in John 15, is my Spirit will witness to Jesus, and then you'll do the same. So we do this you know, it, we can be greedy for him because it will affect the world. It never stops with us. It's for the benefit of the world. You're blessed to be a blessing. And we don't do it this way very often, but if you are just hungry, for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, I just want to invite you to come forward. Coming forward isn't, there's no magic to it, there's no nothing, but there is something I'm absolutely convinced where mind, body, soul, and spirit, and what we do with our bodies affects us. If we want more of Him, Let's just put it into action right here. Same again, guys. Lift your hands. Yeah. He sees it, but he hears it. Cry out to him. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. More of you.
And same again, guys. If, if this isn't you, that's okay. That's absolutely okay. But it's not okay for you not to reach out your hand and pray for these guys, our brothers and sisters. So just, you don't even have to come and touch them. You can just reach from where you are. If you see someone specific, ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, have you got a word for them? But just come and lay a hand on and just bless them and bless them and bless them. But Father, we just thank you for this time together. Father, we thank you for meeting with us, for dwelling with us here. Father, we thank you for every single person in the building this morning. And Lord, would you bless us as we go from this place. In the name of Jesus, we ask. Amen. Amen.